I think it's to constantly um, remind ourselves and to be reminded that whatever we have is just out of pure grace. You know, what you achieve and where you are uh, certainly is a combination of grace and grit. It takes hard work um, to get yourself to certain positions and accomplishments in life. The University of the Free State presents a series of conversations with outstanding alumni from this great institution. Voices from the Free State. I'm Anshan Loebsche, I'm a medical doctor by training, and I currently work for a private healthcare institution in South Africa as their group medical director. So I was born in, in Bloemfontein, and apart from a short period where we lived in the United States, where my father participated in, in some studies, we lived in Bloemfontein all our life, and that's also where I went to the University of the Free State to further my studies um, after school. So I was one of three children, the middle one of three, so I was always surrounded by a lot of friends and a lot of family and a lot of activities in a very happy home. And I remember traveling a lot and seeing a lot of our country and a lot of the world and just being exposed to a whole lot of versatile things in life that I think is a very good foundational approach in, in, the, in the raising of a child to open their eyes as to what all the opportunities could be that they could choose from in life. So it was a very natural choice for me when I finished my secondary school term to um, go to the University of Free State to further my studies there. And I embarked on studying medicine in 1999 when I was a first year and I concluded in 2004. Um, and after that period, I then left Bloemfontein to pursue my career in, in other cities in South Africa. I was um, mostly at home until I was about five years old and I went to nursery school just one year I suppose to prepare me for primary school which was at Sun Lawns, the pre-primary school and um, close to Universitas where, where I grew up and um, for primary school I went to Universitas Primary School, I'm also known as Chockies because we um, dressed like chocolate bars in brown school uniforms um, in summer and winter and including our sportswear as well. We even had brown speedos when we participated in galas. I was there with my older brother and my younger sister and a lot of our friends um, across Bloemfontein's children also went to, to universities. I loved primary school. Um, it was a wonderful institution, very balanced and strong from an academic point of view, which I think should be the foundation for, for schooling and, and the, the pivot on which everything actually turns. Because I think that if I always believed that if you um, put in a lot of weight and a lot of effort in your academic career, it will put you on a very good in a very good position to make some decisions and to select whatever you want to do in your future. So I was very uh, privileged to be in that school from that point of view and also participated in a whole lot of sports and cultural 
um, and musical and leadership activities, choir, musical instruments, various sports, summer and, and winter sports activities, cultural activities such as scouts, choir, um, and also some religious activities. So I really enjoyed primary school. For secondary school, I went to Jim Fushia High School, which is just a little bit further away from, from our home in Universitas. Also a fantastic school still to this day. Um, I follow them very closely in terms of how phenomenally they achieve their matric results every year and a balanced um, load of, of scholars that exit that school and into university life in various institutions in our country. So again, I really focused on my academic career. It was always very important to me. I enjoyed learning um, and doing my homework and, and doing that to the best of my ability. But I also always participated very versatilely in sports and cultural and musical and religious activities and throughout my high school career. And ventured out a little bit to do more artistic things um, towards the end of my school career, I really was convinced that I was going to become a fashion designer. So I ventured into training, um, extracurricular training in that regard. But then at the end of my um, standard nine year grade, 11 year, I applied to medical school at the University of the Free State that I was accepted and my mind was set on becoming a medical doctor. And I left school um, to embark on that journey, which is one that I really, really enjoyed and enjoy until today. And I've never really uh, regretted making that choice. All along throughout my school career, my university career, I was surrounded by my siblings. Both of them are medical doctors as well. Um, my brother preceded me two years before me to study medicine at the University of the Free State and really introduced me to the wonderful varsity life in terms of involvement in in our residences, involvement in sport, involvement in um, leadership institutions and activities such as the RAC committee, um, house residency committees, SRC, and my sister followed three years after me and, and, and also followed the same path in terms of her versatile participation. And she also studied medicine at the University of the Free State. So um, all three of us became medical doctors and where we are now in life, we all do very different things, which I think bears testimony to the fact that if you are exposed to and you use the opportunities to really um, test a lot of things in life, um, life presents you with a lot of opportunities. And if you have the armor um, and the equipment uh, through your training and your education, which you had been privileged to have, it allows you to make decisions to, to do something that you really enjoy and that you really feel adds a lot of value to the, to the world, because I think that's ultimately the most important thing is that all of us, I suppose, aim to leave the world a better place than what we found it. So my varsity um, approach was the same as my school approach. So I was very um, serious about my academic career. Medicine is quite a, 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 a trying course in the sense that we've got lots of classes and lots of academic work to go through, um, big and competitive classes. So that was really my first priority. But alongside that, I realized that as one grows up and as one matures, um, you know, it remains important to do all the things in life that's important to you and not just focus on one thing. So I made a deliberate choice to not just be academically focused, but to continue to participate in all the other things that I used to do in school. So I, I participated in university sports. I was part of the university swimming team um, and I also played a lot of sports for my residence, Maria Lane. I was very actively involved in everything around the residence, including um, joining the leadership structure at the end of my second year as, as prime or head of the residence. 
And after that, I served on the Student Representative Council for two years. So the first year I served as SRC Academics, which I thought was really resonating with what I thought university was ultimately about, is making sure that we have a culture of academic excellence and we have that accessible and achievable by all of our students across different demographic and other backgrounds. And a year after that, I then decided to um, avail myself to be elected as SRC president. That was really fun and in a very interesting time. I was the 100th SRC president of the University of the Priesthood. It was in the 100th year of its existence. And I was um, the first female president of the, of the uh, SRC, which was something that people made quite a thing about. Um, and I, I wouldn't express myself as a, as a feminist. I always say that I'm a gender equalist. I believe that everyone from different backgrounds, different genders, different races, um, different religions should have the same opportunities in life. So be that as it were, I was the first female SRC president, and I really enjoyed that term. It was in a, in a stage where we started to work together with satellite universities. We formed central SRC structures. And as with all leadership functions, there were troublesome times politically and socially um, on the campus. But ultimately, there were things that we wanted to achieve as a leadership. And, and I really um, enjoyed uh, putting my full weight behind it, despite my demanding academic career and um, and continuing through that leadership journey, which I then concluded just before I started my final year of medicine. And I concluded my university time by really just focusing um, on putting all of my effort and weight into uh, getting my medical degree at the end of 2004. So I think from um, all the through all the stages in your life, from early childhood, um, friends and familiarity is really important. So I think the the importance of a family structure is, is always there, and we've spoken quite a bit about that. It's not always the same for every child that, that enters his or her school career or university career in terms of a family structure, but we all have the opportunity to connect with other people. I think when, when, it, when you're really small and you like in nursery school, it's about having someone familiar that you can go to and that you can feel you belong to. And I suppose that continues throughout primary school and also during high school. Friendship and familiarity, just in the sense of a, a place where you belong, a place where you resonate, people that are similar in thinking and in the interest uh, to you is a very important aspect of, of human interaction. But I think there's also a second important aspect, which is about broadening your horizons. And I believe that if you are um, very versatile and you participate on very diff various different platforms, you learn that you can be friends with almost everyone and with, with many, many different people. And I think that's what I've always done throughout my life. I had the uh, approach that I could get along with everyone and anyone because there would be something that we have in common. If you would focus on your differences, it's very easy to disagree and dislike a lot of people and to be disagreed with and to be disliked. But if you recognize that in every human interaction there would be a similarity or a shared or common interest or a shared or common passion, then you always find resonance with people. And in doing so, you really enrich yourself in terms of your exposure, your learnings, and and your ability to interact and engage with lots more people. So as you go through university, those friendships um, become 
more of, uh, of connections. Some remain friendships and, and some of them uh, rem- become people that throughout the course of your career you link into from a business or a professional point of view. So specifically in the medical school, it's quite a closed community, although it's a, a, a fairly ra- large community. And to this day, I find it so heartwarming if I get a phone call or make a phone call or interact with someone that I remember from university, um, whether they were a first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth year throughout my university journey. So I think it's important to to have um, friends for many reasons. Friends become connections, but friends also become, become the people where you could also always be at home. doesn't matter who we become in life. We all need a place where we could just be ourselves and, and, and just actually open up about life's experiences, talk about that, explore emotions, and that's a very important part. And not to limit ourselves um, because of our, our interests, but to be open and wide, widely open to, to, to explore other personalities and other interests, I always found was a great asset uh, to, 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 to my life across all of the stages. So I suppose the, my career really started when I made the decision to, to go start uh, study medicine. And that was in uh, 1997 when I was in my second, my, my pre-final year of school. And um, I think th- the first part of that is really focusing on acquiring the knowledge and the skill that really, that you're required to do your job well one day. You are presented with a lot of choices when you finish your six years of medicine. Well, first you have to go do your internship and your community service. So at that stage, we studied for six years and then we could select a public hospital anywhere in the country where we want, would want to go do our internship, which is um, supervised uh, training for a year. And then the year after that, you've got unsupervised training, but still in the public sector in an institution of your choice. So I did both of those years in KwaZulu-Natal, um, in Pietermaritzburg, which is a very nice uh, medical uh, community consisting out of a primary, secondary and tertiary healthcare facility and also um, with close collaboration with a quaternary facility in Albert Letuli. So I got exposed to healthcare systems and referrals and the, the way that the public health sector works over and above just the provision of care, but the interrelatedness of a lot of components politically, socially and economically and how it impacts healthcare. And actually, before I started studying medicine, I always said that I would, would would have wanted to go into a policy type of role. And I used to joke and say I would love to become Minister of Health. And as I went through my studies in those two years, I fell more in love with clinical medicine. And I was a little bit conflicted at the end of my community service as to whether I would want to embark on a on a purely clinical role and, and go specialize and, and, and do clinical medicine or whether I would want to work on the healthcare system. Um, and it is it, the latter is not really as uh, prescribed a journey as the former. The former you enter into um, a very structured academical program where you exit in as a specialist and a subspecialist, whereas the latter, uh, there's a whole host of courses and experience that you have to pick from and kind of like craft your own path to, to where you end up in administration or a policymaking role. So I... Um, spent a lot of time in emergency medicine during my community service and also thereafter and acquired um, qualifications through the College of Medicine in that regard, which then um, qualified me uh, in, in a small subset category of aeromedical and pre-hospital and disaster management experience and um, allowed me to apply for a role at Nikki 911 at that stage 
we're looking for medical officers or doctors to work um, on the road and in the aeromedical division, both on helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft um, across the continent. And I applied for that that role, and I and I got that role. And that's how my journey with Netcare started on the 7th of June, 2007, when I walked in with my flight suit for my first shift. So I've been with Netcare for almost 14 years now. 2021, 7th of June will be 14 years. And it's been an amazing journey. Also very versatile. I've had a lot of different roles and I've grown progressively from a very operational and technical clinical person through various levels of managerial and leadership experience to where I currently hold the role of, of group medical director as a member of the executive um, and reporting to the Netcare board um, on the portfolio that I'm responsible for across um, our entire organization and the different divisions that we've had. But the importance of having started at ground level, packing the bags, checking the stock, literally putting together everything that you do with your own hands, working with people at ground level um, was really valuable. And I think in terms of the policy part of my role in all of those years, um, starting from my internship up until today, there was always the interaction between the public and the private sector. There was lots of uh, political, socioeconomic and learnings and applications in what we've been doing, especially in our work across the African continent where we dealt with global insurance and global institutions, but the reality of medicine in South Africa and actually in Africa, which is vastly different um, in many instances from what we have in this country. Um, and I also think that the various disaster management projects that I've been involved with, whether it was um, going out to big natural disasters to, to rescue and evacuate people, whether it was droughts and warlike circumstances where we went to provide different kinds of support, was also a very important um, learning platform for me and which ultimately culminated in us being able to play a very important leadership role in Netcare in our country and our continent and globally in managing various pandemics. Um, the most um, uh, front of mind at the moment, the COVID-19 pandemic um, globally. I think, I really think that you, you very rightly pointed out that my experience in the emergency medicine fraternity, I think taught me a lot around that, a lot around resilience and being focused on what you actually ultimately want to achieve. And I think those are two very important principles. The first is to always remind yourself of what you set out to achieve. Where are you going? Why are you doing it? Why are you passionate about it? And if you, if you do that, you, you tend to to be able to focus on where you are going despite all of the distractions and all of the difficulty that you may encounter along the way. There's, there's in, in, in all of our lives and, and daily and, and on a longer view, there's always things that deter us from achieving our goals. Um, but the second part to that is that you always have to be resilient, resilient and nimble in this regard. Um, so once again, the principles of emergency medicine uh, taught me it was a very, very structured person and who always have a plan. I always have a plan. Um, my my friends and my colleagues always joke and ask whether I've got an Excel spreadsheet with a, formula, a formula built in to calculate um, how I'm going to execute the task that I'm busy with. So even if you have such structured a plan, life is going to throw some curveballs at you and you have to be able to be nimble and resilient to take those curveballs and to slightly adjust your plan without taking you off course completely so that in the end you achieve your goal, but you may have um, gone about a little detour, you may have taken 
taken a little bit longer or a little bit faster. You may have been unhappy or happy or experienced various different emotions in your journey towards that goal. So I think focus, um, because you, you have to keep on reminding yourself that regardless of all the distractions that we face in everyday life, the sense of achievement and the sense of accomplishment sits with you getting um, to where you actually wanted to go in the first instance, but also the, to be brave enough and resilient enough to to um, tailor that journey so that you, one, if you, do, if you realize that you are on the wrong journey, you have to be brave enough to change course, but also if your journey is just slightly interrupted or majorly interrupted, that you are um, able to work through that and still get to where you wanted to go in the first instance. At certain periods of time uh, or, or phases in my life, I consulted with and it gave me great insight into the choices that I had to make. And there were many of those along the way. Um, I could just definitely recall in my in all of the places where I had uh, crossroads in terms of decision making towards the end of my um, school secondary school term where I had to decide whether I was going to go into a more artistic or a more scientific career and what the decisions and the discussions was. And it wasn't always just one person. It was often a lot of people that you consulted with and that gave you as a collective um, the, the, the arm or the ammunition that you could apply to actually make your decision. Now, remember there, my parents highlighted for me the importance of the university as a tertiary educational institution and the importance that it has on shaping and forming you from a holistic perspective and not just academically. And they used to say that they think that regardless of what you would want to study, that if you have the privilege to embark on such an, a tertiary educational opportunity, that you will um, find that the university is a, is a life school more than just a learning school. And I think that was a very important piece of advice for me. Um, throughout my university career and actually through my school career, there were many teachers and mentors who taught me little bits um, in various different ways and various different platforms. I think one of the things that stand out the most is the power of hard work and commitment and the, the peer joy and the satisfaction of reaping the benefits um, of that because I think that there, there is no substitute for hard work um, regardless of the platform that we start upon from or the challenges that we may uh, encounter along the way. There were always kind people with lots of wisdom who could put all of that into perspective for you and, and allow you to make your own decisions to keep you on track. And those people are really appreciated throughout my life. So not instructing or actually suggesting what the choices that I have to ma make, but giving me all of the equipment and all of the knowledge and the skill and the, the armor to make the decisions myself. Later on in my in my career, throughout my professional career, every time where I was at a juncture where I had to decide between a different role or a different organization or a different step, there were people that I consulted with on the same basis. And to this day, as we go through difficult times, I think um, one needs various different kind of mentors in your life. You need you may need a religious um, person, a spiritual person, um, you may need a clinical person. You know, from a cognitive and neuroscientific point of view, I think it becomes so important that we remain in touch with the physical and physiological things that impact our life. And when you feel that you have to make a big decision and you have to um, decide at a crossroad, then it's important to have those 
gurus or those oracles to consult with and and the same with your career so i um have individuals that had stood out throughout my life but i've also got a myriad of people that contributed in some way to empowering me to make these decisions and for those i'm i'm very very grateful and i think that's very important to have that but it's also important to be that i think that f- uh, we we may not always realize that we are mentors to people and just in the way that we live our daily life um this this quote from elena bonham carter which i love which um reads something like everything in life is art the way you walk the way you dress the way you talk um and and i think that that is very true f- not only for art but also for the mentorship role that you can play in people's life whatever you do people witness and they see and whether they admire you or whether they don't like you um or whether they just um on the same level as you they take from that and they mirror that in their own lives and therefore we also have a responsibility uh, to be mentors in people's life um on a daily basis I was born in 1980 and I obviously then lived a great part of my um pre-university life before 1994. So I um cognitively, you know, I can remember a lot of that era specifically towards my late primary school, suppose when a lot of changes was already in effect. and um, quite encouragingly so up to the point um of our first democratic election in 1994 and that then was kind of at the at the beginning of my high school career so my high school career was then characterized by the first first five years of uh, a democratic country and all the changes that came along with that and um as i went to university throughout those six years there were lots of political and social changes and challenges that we were presented with and um, that we had to work through and had to navigate through and specifically in the leadership roles that we held on the ecc and in other structures um and when i then entered the real world of work um it was a further eye opener in terms of the inequality and the disparity that historical policies um and other things have really perpetuated in our country so it was an absolute eye opener to see how our provinces and geographical areas in our country differ how one part of a town could could differ and just if i speak specifically around access to care and provision of medical care the quality of the medical care just the the pure way in which it operates and it functions and all of that i was always acutely aware of um early through my early life but also specifically when i entered into my medical career and i have a, a great passion to to do whatever i can to help and diminish or, or reduce that level of inequality which we know is a very um big problem in our in our country uh, as the country with the biggest level of inequality in the world and you see that also when you venture out of south africa into the african continent and all of those those were great um lessons to me but i think back to the principle of being open minded and being resilient and finding a way to connect with anyone because you will always have something in common that principle I felt always stood me in good stead. I feel that there's always something I can learn from someone. There's always something that I can mirror from some someone. It could be good or it could be bad. It could be something that I observe and I and I think that um if I'm presented with such an opportunity or I'm confronted with such a situation, would I do the same thing? Um do I admire what this person had done or do I not? And if I don't, it doesn't mean that it's not a lesson. It means that I just have to tailor my approach or my behavior or my reaction. to do what i think would have been better in that situation so i think the principle of open mindedness versatility 
We've got a, a wonderful privilege in this country to make a difference to all of the injustices and the, the results of the injustices in the past. And we're confronted with that on a daily basis. And specifically in the domain of healthcare, that's one of the reasons why I am so passionate about it, because it feels like you can roll up your sleeves every single day and you can make a difference. Whether you are seeing a number of patients in your consulting room, whether you are a nurse at the bedside of a patient, where you are training or teaching young individuals um, in their clinical academic career or whether you are involved in big policy decisions that really impact um, healthcare and the population as a whole. It's a wonderful opportunity and I feel very privileged to have journeyed to where I am today to be in a place where I feel like I said earlier, I can I can make the, the world a better place than, than I found it. And um, there's also a quote that I think of um, of Athol Fugard about it's something like the rich and abrasive contact of different cultures rubbing up against each other that results in all types of creative sparks. But the bottom line is that even in this cauldron that we sometimes have of of a lot of um, political and social and economic instability and unhappiness and historical um, issues, we should use that to create a future that um, is creative and vibrant and serving to, to our entire population and our continent and our, and, our, and our world as a whole. There are instances that stand out, but there's also almost themes through periods of your life which was difficult uh, to manage and was difficult to juggle and we had to find a way to, to, to find a place where you could actually um, function to the best of your ability and, and realize all your potential despite all of the external forces and the, in, and the impact of that. So I think tearing, um, you know, very acutely at my, in my mind at the moment is what we all suffered globally, I suppose, in how the world has changed over the past year and a half. Um, and maybe that's not as personal, but in a sense it also is, because I think we all suffered great personal disappointment in, in a lot of things that we planned to achieve in the past year and a half that was just simply wiped away by the way that the world unfolded and the way that it has changed for good. Um, and now we were constantly faced with disappointment, whether it was a super small thing such as uh, the inability to have a 40th birthday party. So I turned 40 last year and we joke um, with all of our friends that none of us could have the big 40th birthday bashes that everyone used to have. Is it important? Isn't it important? Again, the world has changed so significantly that they, they those little things may have been disappointments for us in a year and a half to pass. But if we look back and we think about what have we learned and what um, do we need to do differently in the world going forward, um, then I think you can change that into the positive and say the hardship that we endured in the last year, specifically from a social and emotional point of view, um, can all be banked uh, to ultimately benefit in us being a more resilient and a more informed world than we were a year and a half ago. So I think the past year and a half um, weighs heavily on, on all of our minds and certainly on my mind as well for various reasons and it's almost the most acute distressing period that I can reference if you ask me that question. It, it's almost like everything else falls into insignificance if I think of the lot of death and and the lot of um, the emotions that we've experienced, the, the great responsibility to make decisions with knowledge that was um, that we were bombarded with on on a constant basis, and in a world of information overload perpetuated by social media, 
you know, had to make decisions about your institution, your country's policy, but most importantly about single people's lives. And if you work on a, on a policy platform where you work with a whole um, big organization with a lot of people, it's easy to quote statistics and numbers and to lose to lose sight of the fact that a patient who dies is someone's only mother or someone's only father or someone's only child or someone's only sibling um, and to just move in those different levels of work between the granularity of dealing with one-on-one type of things and making big decisions. So I suppose it's not directly answering your question about um, disappointment but as I say what we've gone through and what we've experienced in the past year, year and a half for me um, wipes out a lot of what we've experienced in the past and gives us a new platform to work from where we can say that there, there may have been a lot of issues in the past we may have made a lot of mistakes we may have thought that things that came across our path from a personal point of view were so distressing and so disruptive that we didn't see our way through at that time but we've we've um, it's a bit like going to war um, you are not the same person when you when you come out of it. And there were various periods in my life where the balance between academic training or the demands of all the things that I did in my life was hard um, to go through. And it's in those periods that you actually make the best friends and you learn the, the most about yourself and you learn the most about other people. And this past year and a half was one of that for me. So focusing on my most recent acutely distressing period, which I don't think is different for me than for many other people and all other people in the world, I think it's it's thinking about how we're going to embark on our future, having banked all of those experiences and knowledge and create a better, safer, um, healthier world for our children and our children's children to grow up in. I really love the Free State. I think it's absolutely at the heart and the center of South Africa. And it's obviously one of the more sparsely populated and resourced and poorer provinces compared to, to Gauteng, where I live in at the moment, which is much more densely populated and which is really the economic um, heartbeat of the African continent. So I, I really have lived in the Free State. I've lived in KwaZulu-Natal and I've lived in Gauteng. And the Free State is always, will always be my home. I'm very grateful for the connections that I've had there, for the groundedness of growing up there. If I look now, just um, I've got a small child and looking at selecting schools and the choices that you have in, in, for example, Johannesburg versus just all the fantastic schools we had in Bloemfontein, a fantastic university. I get there um, on a regular basis till my parents still live in Bloemfontein. Um, and we have got some hospitals in the organization that I work in Bloemfontein. And also um, I remain involved in the University of the Free State as a university council member and a Senate member. And I absolutely love going back to the Free State. It was one of the things that I really missed in the past year and a half is traveling. And whether it was traveling you know, overseas or to some exciting um, destinations, traveling to Bloemfontein um, every quarter for a council meeting was a big highlight for me as well. And going back to that institute where you have a sense of history and a sense of so many people who've been there before you who've left such big and deep footprints in the history of this country and the history of medicine and the history of the different faculties and institutions on that campus. It's just an absolute sense of being grounded in a place that is solid and that gave me a good start um, for my professional and my academic career. 
So it's maybe not such a profound experience in terms of an interaction with one person, but it's certainly a place that's almost holy to me um, because of the impact that it has on people's lives and the way that it, it equips them um, in their journey, whether it is from a personal perspective or a professional perspective. It certainly is exactly what my parents said to me. It's, it's much, much more than an academic institution. It's much, much more than a learning school. It is a life school um, where you get equipped um, and exposed to, to absolutely wonderful individuals. I think it's a very important question and, and going back to my previous comment about me not being a feminist but a gender neutralist, um, much earlier in my life I, I used to think that these kind of decisions or the power to make these kind of differences uh, sat in the hands of the policy makers and that policies were supposed to be designed to accommodate for these um, imbalances which are just a natural thing um, if you are a, if you are a woman there's other things in life that you um, are by just the nature of your gender responsible for than men for example um, and as I matured and as I learned and as I progressed through my career and specifically also um, as I am in a deal career relationship where my husband is also in a very busy profession and very ambitious and ambitiously pursuing his goals in a very demanding job, and also having um, children, I, I realized that this is not really in the hands of the policymakers. Policymakers can make policies, um, corporates and institutions will execute or, or deliver on them the way that they interpret and want to. But ultimately, the power of that is, is in, in yourself. And it again links back to that, the power of versatility, and, and, and roundedness and groundedness in terms of everything that you are interested in. So you have to, to critically review what are the things that you have set out to achieve and what are the most important to you. What are the things that make you tick? What fills your cup? It is as important to, to fill your cup as it is to actually give to the world. If you, if you can't give to the world if you haven't filled your cup. So what is it that, that you need to fill your cup? And it's different for every person. Um, as women specifically, um, we make choices around how we balance or how we divvy up family life and family responsibilities um, and also all of our extracurricular and other interests and also our jobs. And it's a difficult thing on a day-to-day -day basis. But again, for me, as the principle that I've always applied throughout my life was that I see one thing as a break from another thing. So I don't feel like I necessarily have to have a lot of off time because I enjoy everything I do so much that if I take a break from my work to, for example, do stuff in my house, um, I, I see that as a break, the one from the other. And I see that as enriching my life because these are all things that I'm interested in. And in doing so, you realize that you don't have to trade these things off, that you can do all of them very well, but that you have to have very strict rules and boundaries in place to be able to accommodate for all of that in every 24-hour period. And I think the other important thing is that it doesn't help to put things off and to compartmentalize them in one day or someday or, you know, whenever I arrive, I'll get there. It's important to journey throughout your life um, and touching on each of these aspects of importance in your life on a daily basis, because that ultimately is what makes what makes life, is the, the sum total of all of the days that you've lived. So it isn't an easy thing. It's not easy, I think, 
in the business world and, and in every professional career to be able to juggle all of these balls. And also if you are a perfectionist and you want to do things well, it's even more difficult to do so. But um, the power is in the decisions that you make every single day and to stay true to yourself and the things that you think is important. And for every one of us, it's different. And we will find some people um, that we resonate with that can empower us in these choices along the way. And I've been very lucky to to have that support structure around me. But I have also faced very difficult days. And the further you go in your career, the more demanding it becomes. Um, you realize that every phase of your life, you would think back to the previous one and think, mm, I thought that was tough. Um, you know, try this one. And in, in doing that, you actually know that the next step is probably going to be more challenging than that. But to be in the moment and to be grateful for, for what you've got and the choices that you have to and make and all of the wonderful things that fill your day, even if sometimes it's it's quite draining and, and quite challenging, ultimately and that becomes very rewarding. I think it's to constantly um, remind ourselves and to be reminded that whatever we have is just out of pure grace. You know, what you achieve and where you are uh, certainly is a combination of grace and grit. It takes hard work um, to get yourself to certain positions and accomplishments in life. But I always remind myself that I, for example, was privileged to be handed or to be dealt a certain hand of cards. And all of us are dealt different hands of cards. And it's for us to make the most of those cards that we've been dealt with. And in doing so, take people along the journey with us. So we can say that we've worked hard, we've put a lot into something that we are proud to have had achieved. But it's really, I don't even know if it's 50% of the variables that you entered into the equation in the first instance. So it's always to remain very uh, grateful and to, be, to remain very graceful. So I would say grace and grit. To always be reminded of the privilege that you have, the talents, the infrastructure, the support structure, the love, um, whatever those things are that you believe that you are that you are very privileged to have been given or have been afforded. And then on the other hand, the responsibility of making the most of those cards that were dealt uh, that were dealt you. So great, a grace and grit. I think in, in, in every institution or every phase of your life, the, when these um, issues around, or, or political instability enter the daily activities, it's very important to just take a step back and remind yourself of what we are here to achieve in the first instance. And that whatever we do and whatever we give into and however much time we spend on, on that specific aspect, which is really important and deserves time and attention, mustn't detract us from the very reason why we are here. So if you take the university for an, as, an, as, a, as an example, for me it was also whether the issue was around a political issue or a social issue or what, whatever the issue was. It was to go back a step and say, why, why are we here in the first instance? Why are we all um, members of or students of the University of the Free State? It's because we enrolled for an academic course that we are, um, need to complete in a certain period of time. So for the leaders then to say that we have to acknowledge all of these things, these are important things. These are factors that impact on our students' lives and our, our country as a whole and ultimately um, you know, cannot be ignored and has to be spent time with, but it cannot detract from the primary reason why we are here. Um, and that was always the way that I used to, to steer the SRC and myself throughout those troublesome times. 
There is an exam. The exam has to take place because the exam has to take place to fulfill our academic requirements so that all of us could be in a better position at the end of December of this year than we were at the beginning of January of this year. There's a lot of resources that go into um, people being able to study at the university. And we know very well, and it's so so topical today, that there are very few people in our country and in the world that's got the privilege to go to university and to acquire that knowledge and acquire that degree and that academic qualification. So your responsibility is to make sure that over and above everything else that we participate in. We um, live up to what we are there for in the first instance. And that would still be my advice for today. It, it doesn't mean that you have to disregard or, or can disregard or should disregard any of the other very important political prevalent matters in the country. It's the same as, as in a healthcare institution. Our responsibility is constitutionally provide the best and the safest care to patients in our, in our facilities. Whether we are confronted with policy changes such as a national health insurance, whether we are faced with a pandemic, whatever other things come across our way, we have to be able to execute on what we are here for in the first instance. I think um, over the past number of years, certainly with um, our current Vice-Chancellor, I know there was a concerted effort in bringing the alumni um, closer and back to be involved in the university. So there's various, there's obviously various platforms, be it financial or other types of support, supporting mechanisms that I think alumni could be very valuable. But I think the most important thing probably, and it's part of what you, I think, are achieving with this series that you are busy with, is just to, to let people who are, are in acute situations where it's very difficult and you can't always see your way through, or you can see what is going to be the benefit of all of the hard work and the suffering that you have to currently endure, to see um, what is on the other side. I think that's the one thing, is just to, to, to give a view to the current students about um, some of us have also endured hardships. Some of us have also had the challenge that they currently experience. Some of the, some of us have not, that we can resonate with them. But here we are, you know, we've gone through that journey. That was the benefit of sticking through and, and achieving those things and, and getting those qualifications. And, and that's why you should actually just persevere, you know, and get through this. I think the other thing is also the value of connections, which is absolutely, um, I think throughout our conversation this morning, we spoke about the value of connections. Um, um, you know, most of us can say that we bumped into someone or had the privilege of meeting someone or made a phone call to someone or got an email from someone and that set us on a path that we wouldn't have had. And I suppose that's quite serendipitous. But serendipity just that doesn't just occur um, without, you know, some connections. So I think the more connections that you have and the more connections you put in place for the for for the young for the youth um in, in a country with a with a massive problem with unemployment and with a lack of a culture of successful entrepreneurship and all sorts of other aspects, it's very daunting to first struggle through university life, have your student loan, deal with the hardships of, of the academic rigor that you have to comply with, and then to see that you may enter a workforce where you won't be employed. We all need those connections. So I think hope and connections would be the most important thing. And that really actually doesn't take a lot of time of alumni. Now we all are interconnected in so many different ways. And, and that's one thing that I actually think just going back to the question specifically about women in careers and the, the, the all of the balls that we have to juggle, that, that was a very important lesson for me to learn when I first 
um, became a mother. So that lots of people can tell you lots of things and you can hold people accountable for looking out for you. But the first thing is what I said is that ultimately you're responsible for doing that yourself. But the other big responsibility is that whatever you felt was done to you or was done around you or was unjust around you or you thought could have been done better is that the only power that you actually have is to do it differently in other people's lives. So for me as a woman, I think about every single day, I'm surrounded by people who have children, who are in dual career relationships and are women in professional careers as well. And my biggest responsibility is to make sure that what I would have felt would be helpful when I was in that circumstance, I must make sure that I do that for the people around me. And if you're in a leadership position or a collegial position, you are surrounded by people whose, whose life you can impact um, positively. So um, I think hope, um, connections, and then the power to change for people what someone didn't change for you. Those would be the things that I think uh, where alumni could be powerful. State is produced and directed by Francois Van Skulvik and Keenan Carlzer. Post-production is provided by the UFS Alumni Office and production support by Adrian Hall. This podcast is produced for the UFS International Alumni Program. For further information regarding this series or to propose other alumni guests, please email us at alumnipodcasts at ufs.ac.za. Any views and opinions expressed in this recording are those of the individual guests and should not be attributed to the University of the Free State.